MSW Media. News with swearing. Daily beans, daily beans. Daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, July 23rd, 2020. Today, the U.S. ambassador to the United Kingdom is accused of making sexist and racist comments and trying to use his role to benefit Trump's businesses. Andrew Torres finds a glaring problem with Flynn's filing in the Sullivan case. Rep. Yoho attempts an apology to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and fails miserably. Thousands of moms in Portland buck Trump's secret police. Police contracts can stand in the way of accountability. Twitter bans QAnon. The RNC is buying up copies of Trump Jr.'s new book because no one else will. And in a shocker, Matt Gates runs afoul of House ethics rules. I'm your host, A.G. All right, we have a big show for you today. Uh, we will have news from Under the Radar with Jordan Coburn and, of course, the Good News Block. And later, we'll be joined by a very special guest, Courtney Smith-Kramer, for a much-needed self-care block. She's got a new book out called uh, Be Your Creative, Sexy Self, Humorous Stories to Help You Live a Happier Life. And I'm looking forward to that very much, especially this week. And I'll be joined by Andrew Torres for a law lesson in how not to lie in federal court filings in high-profile cases involving former national security advisors. All the hits and more. So let's kick it off with the hot notes. Hot notes. Okay, quick COVID update here. California has surpassed New York with the most coronavirus cases in the United States and has set a new record of 12,807 cases in one day with a positivity rate at 7% and trending higher. The hospitalizations are increasing as well, and 60% of the cases are aged 18 to 45. In Los Angeles County, 57% of the cases are under 41 years old. Republican Governor Mike DeWine of Ohio has issued a statewide mask order that will take effect Thursday evening, saying, quote, it is essential that we wear masks statewide in Ohio to contain the spread of the virus. Well, thanks, Governor DeWine. Uh, Senate Republicans and White House officials are discussing proposing a short-term extension of enhanced unemployment benefits beyond their expiration date at the end of this month, and that's an indication that the party is still divided over a broader relief package. It was not clear on Wednesday how long the extension Republicans are weighing would last or whether it could gain broad enough support in the party to materialize, nor is it known whether Democrats would embrace such a temporary fix which would alleviate much of the political pressure on Congress to quickly produce another economic stabilization package. The Trump administration on Wednesday announced a nearly $2 billion contract with pharmaceutical giant Pfizer and a smaller German biotech company for up to 600 million doses of a potential coronavirus vaccine. If the vaccine proves to be safe and effective in clinical trials, they could manufacture the first 100 million doses by December. It's unusual for the government to purchase doses of a vaccine that have not yet been approved for use. Large-scale safety and efficacy trials are to begin this month, with regulatory reviews set for as early as October. Uh, Before a vaccine could be distributed, it would first need to have at least emergency approval by the FDA. And as of today, we have surpassed 4 million cases in the United States, and we approach 143,000 deaths. And I know I wasn't going to cover the Trump Coronavirus Task Force uh, thing, rally speech. Uh, But he said something yesterday that, frankly, didn't surprise me, but he wished Ghislaine, uh, Ghislaine Maxwell, well. Uh, He said, frankly, I wish her well. This was in response to what appears to be a softball setup question from the New York Post. 
And I think we need to look into what's going on at the New York Post, as they seem to be coordinating with Trump and Fox News. As Lynn V. pointed out on Twitter yesterday, New York Post has done stories, for example, accusing the Lincoln Project of having ties to Russia. And that story was picked up by the anger mangle, or I call it the anger mangle, Ingram angle, Laura Ingram on Fox News. It's pretty much the exact same story, so it seems like there's some corroboration going on there. The New York Post reporter in the room yesterday at the coronavirus task force presser seemed like a plant to me, especially after mentioning Prince Andrew and Bill Clinton. If you ask me, that was Trump telling Ghislaine he's on her side or willing to play ball. Same thing he did when Roger Stone and Manafort and Flynn all also had really, really... uh, you know, incriminating information about the president, all who have lied to protect him. So take that as you will. I will hope someone's looking into the New York Post and any coordination with Fox News and Trump, at least the Trump administration and the White House. And the ambassador, the U.S. ambassador to the U.K., is coming under fire for being a racist and a sexist and for trying to steer British the British Open to Trump's Turnberry Golf Resort. The billionaire NFL owner, I think he owns the Jets, uh, who is the ambassador to the U.K., was investigated by the State Department inspector general after allegations that he made racist and sexist comments to staff and sought to use his position to benefit the president's personal business, Turnberry Golf Course. Uh, this is according to multiple sources that uh, knew of know of the report, and they spoke to CNN. In 2018, uh, ahead of a black uh, an event for Black History Month, commonly um, marked at U.S. embassies around the world, Johnson appeared agitated and asked if the audience would be a whole bunch of black people. That's according to one source. Three sources said Johnson questioned why the black community would want a separate month to celebrate black history and argued that black fathers didn't remain with their families, and that was the real challenge, quote-unquote. One source said an official who heard the remarks was stunned and that the incident was documented and made known to both the Office of the Inspector General and a supervisor. Two sources said the ambassador indicated he preferred working with women uh, because they were cheaper and worked harder than men. And he also would comment on the way uh, that women in the embassy were dressed. And that's according to two sources that spoke to CNN. Another source recounted that after Johnson returned from a trip to Washington, where he met with the president in early 2018, the ambassador told Lukens, who was still deputy chief of mission at the time, that Trump wanted to host the Open at his Turnberry Resort in Scotland. Johnson asked which British government officials he could speak to about making that happen. Johnson brought it up again with Lukens on another occasion not long after that. And in both cases, Lukens told Johnson not to mention the topic to government officials, as doing so would be unethical. And there is a potential glitch in the Flynn case, as pointed out by Andrew Torres from Opening Arguments, that seems more like a lie than an error. I'm not sure. But here to law explain it to us is real-life lawyer and co-host of the Opening Arguments podcast, my friend Andrew Torres. Andrew, thanks for being here today. Oh, AG, thanks for having me on. I appreciate this, and this is an amazing catch. And I just, I just see you like with a like with a jeweler's loop going through <laughs> uh, footnotes and 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 filings from our good friend Sidney Powell over on the on the uh, team of the team of lawyers for Michael Flynn. Tell us what you found. Yeah. So so this is weird, right? Let let me give. My version of 30 seconds of background here, which is we've all been following the Flynn case and the government uh, filed a Rule 48A motion that asked to dismiss the charges. Uh, Judge Sullivan said, "Okay, uh, I want to I want a court appointed amicus. I want to see arguments against that. Uh, I came on your show. I talked about the fact that we filed an amicus brief in that case. Right. Um, At the same time, Michael Flynn, by and through Sidney Powell, uh, 
went to the D.C. Circuit and petitioned for a writ of mandamus, directing Judge Sullivan to dismiss the case. Mm -hmm. Right. And uh, if you're thinking, why didn't you just wait until he denied the Rule 48A motion and then appeal? Um, That's what I was thinking, too. Right. Like a writ of mandamus, like it's an incredibly rare remedy. Yeah. Yeah, and you and I have spoken at length about that, that uh, the the whole Flynn case. And then yesterday, I know we reported on the story that you know she had filed uh, her you know response to Judge Sullivan, who has now asked for you know this on banc review after the two to one decision at the at the circuit at the court of appeals level. And, you know, she's saying he doesn't even have a right to do this. And then she had the gall to say, I can't believe they're delaying using a delay tactics, which is fucking hilarious coming from this administration. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and again, Flynn is a free man, right? Like, this yeah. is not, there is there is no prejudice to him whatsoever through, no. you know, through delay. The, the, the only reason that they're trying to, to hurry this up is because the clock is ticking on the Trump administration. And <laughs> if this is still pending when Joe Biden is president, then I somehow doubt that 48A motion is going to stay. So, yeah, okay, I mean, right? we could read between the lines. And what she's really saying is hurry up and decide this before the president loses and can no longer pardon my client. You know, so that's sort of, I think, where we're at. Yeah. That's exactly right. So, <laughs> so uh, inexplicably, uh, Naomi Rao managed to convince Judge Henderson on the D.C. Circuit that you can issue mandamus even in a situation like this where, spoiler alert, I'm a lawyer, you can't issue mandamus, right? M- mandamus, right, That the, the root word there is mandate, and it means when there is no discretion, you can order an official to do something, right? So like, for example, if you have a, you know, lunatic rogue clerk of court who refuses to issue marriage licenses because they're a bigot, you can go get, go to the appellate court and get a writ of mandamus and be like, uh, you don't get to decide who gets married, yeah, right? Beyond like, the pale, beyond the pale. Your job is to sign your name and approve. And so where there is no discretion, you can get mandamus. Where there is discretion, you can't. And rule 48A, leave aside all the other arguments. It specifically says with leave of court, right? That means discretion. That means you don't get mandamus. That means you wait until Judge Sullivan decides not to grant the motion and then you appeal it just like ordinary normal people do all the time in litigation mm-hmm. but no uh michael flynn got to jump the line go get mm-hmm. mandamus and somehow convince two judges on the dc circuit to to do so so uh judge sullivan petitioned for an en banc review for by the entire dc circuit to correct this travesty of an opinion mm-hmm. and so on monday both michael flynn and the government weighed in opposing mandamus right and i have to tell you their arguments on the merits are terrible right? oh like, yeah they... <laughs> we we went over this yesterday that, that makes yeah. no sense it's not a delay and there's no prejudice he's a free man like you said and the judge has every right judge sullivan has every right to petition yeah. this on bonk and if not any fucking judge in the circuit can call a roll to to get it yeah. done on bonk so we yeah we've covered all that okay but now in this sydney <laughs> powell filing she cites oh no this is this is this is the government's filing this is oh Flint's. oh even better oh yeah. fucking they just have their heads up their asses uh <laughs> so in this government filing they've they're they're either lying or they made a really, really bad mistake. 
There is a delightful Transformers quote in which Megatron looks at Starscream and says, you're either lying or you're stupid. And he goes, I'm stupid. I'm stupid. Um, this is one of those points. So so let me read the sentence to you and you tell me, right? This is I, I don't want to make the judgment that they're lying uh, or they're stupid. You tell me, quote, only a party may petition for rehearing on bunk. That, that, that sentence is true, but it's necessary for the setup. Okay. Cite. Federal Rule of Appellate Procedure 35B. Okay, so far. Now here's now here's the question. Judges were once considered nominal respondents in mandamus proceedings, but in 1996, quote, the rule bracket was in bracket amended so that the judge is not treated as a respondent, end quote, cite to 1996 note, and then a, a C also cite, or, or sorry, then a C cite to Federal Rule of Appellate Procedure 21A. Now, I read that as saying Rule 35 was amended in 1996 to make it clear that judges are not a party to Rule 35 dismissal motions. Meaning, is that how you read it? Yeah, that's 100% how I read it. And, and that means that this, this is their argument that, that Sullivan can't be the one to make this petition. Right. Lack standing because he's not a party because Rule 35 was amended in 1996. Yeah, that's what that says. That's what that's that's what that, that's how I read it, mm-hmm. too. But I've got some pushback on Twitter from Trump defenders. Um, <laughs> there's only one problem with this argument, and that is Rule 35 was not amended in 1996. You can go check it for yourself. Right. Google Federal Rule of Appellate Procedure 35. It will pull up a link to the Legal Information Institute and you will see it was amended in 94. It was amended in 1998. Was not amended in 1996. Does not say that at all. Okay. well, here's a question. Was it a typo? (laughs) And were either of the amendments in 94, 98 or any amendments to that rule uh, ever say that a a judge is no longer has standing to, to file these petitions? No, it is not. It is not a typo. What it is, is it's a deliberate. And again, I'm going to say deliberate, but you judge it yourself. It is a sleight of hand because rule 21, right? An entirely separate rule uh, was amended in 1996. And I'm going to describe that has to do with writs of mandamus, right? It was amended in a formalistic way. I'm going to, I'm going to read the whole note to you right here. Okay. So again, judge for yourself. This is the context. You tell me if this is a fair citation in a brief. Okay. Mm -hmm. That 96 amendment to rule to rule 21 says in most instances, a writ of mandamus is not actually directed to a judge in any more personal way than an order reversing a court's judgment. Most often, a petition for writ of mandamus seeks review of the intrinsic merits of the judge's action and is, in reality, an adversarial proceeding between the parties. In order to change the tone of the rule and of mandamus proceedings generally, the rule is amended so that the judge is not treated as a respondent. The caption and subdivision A are amended by deleting the reference to the writs as being, quote, directed to a judge or judges. Subdivision A applies to writs of mandamus directed to a court, but is amended so that a petition for writ of mandamus does not bear the name of the judge. Okay, that doesn't have anything to do with him not being able to respond. <laughs> that, I mean, that that couldn't more clearly say, "Hey," and and again, there's you know there's some legal speak in there, but I, but I thought it was pretty it's clear. Like, you know, you know what? It's like when your when your boyfriend apologizes to you and says, "I didn't say you were a bitch. I said you were acting like a bitch." 
And so what, what said, this is to me, kinds of and this is my this is my legal analogy. And if I had to write an essay in a bar exam, this is how it would go. Uh, that's just to say that we're not attaching the judge as the party. Uh, it's not their name that has the writ of mandamus all over it. It's their actions that have the writ of mandamus all over it. And it doesn't say anything in there precluding a judge from responding to a writ of mandamus in, in this particular case or any case. It, 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 it could not be more clear that that's the case. And 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 here are the legal words that uh, that clue you in on that, right? You start off with, in order to change the tone, right? That tells you that this is a, a, an amendment of form and not of substance. And the law is very clear in, in drawing those distinctions. Mm-hmm. Um, in the immediately previous sentence, it says, most often a petition for a writ of mandamus, right? Isn't personally directed at the judge. It's just, you know, an adversary, it's an ordinary adversary proceeding, just like a, uh, just like an appeal on the merits. Yeah. And, you know, when you, when you appeal a judge's decision, you don't say like, you know, that makes Judge Sullivan a party and just saying, you know, like I, I thought he was wrong on the matter of law and on this particular dispute. But, but most often does not mean always. <laughs> and tone is the opposite of substance. It is just so even under like, like as I, I tried to parse this out, cause right. Cause the first thing I looked was, I'm like, well, they didn't just make up quotes, right? Like that would, that would, that, that would be rough even for Joe Hunt, right? Like uh, it, it, I, I didn't think they would do that, but, but what they did was Junt. right. And Joe did, did not sign this. I, sh- I should add, it was uh Jocelyn Valentine, but, mm. um, but even for Trump's DOJ, like, Wholesale fabrication seemed weird, um, but but taking right again. Remember, let's not forget this was designed to make it seem like this unrelated. I shouldn't say unrelated. That's not fair. It was designed to make it seem like this amendment from a completely different rule was an amendment to Rule Thirty Five. It's not the nineteen ninety six amendment to Rule Twenty One is a is is not a substantive amendment it's it's one to change how the captions are, are so there's nothing in here that supports this argument and 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 it kind of goes to the fundamental underlying credibility of the litigants right like there is a non crazy argument that judge sullivan lacks standing right it, it it i don't think it's a winning argument but you could have made it but by gilding the lily by adding in this nonsensical description of a different rule being amended to change the captions, it, it absolutely undermines the credibility. And I, I, I think makes it even more likely that the mm. uh, DC circuit is, is going to grant uh, a, an en banc review here. And, and they'll catch it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, it's why I'm trying to do my part of getting it out there to make sure people know that, uh, you know, uh, that, that, that this is what the government has, has sort of been reduced to, but well, um, and we are doing our part by having you on the show explaining it to us. Thank you very much. Co-host of the Opening Arguments podcast, Andrew Torres. I really appreciate you coming on and explaining that to us today. And did I get an A on my bar exam question today? Absolutely. Wonderful. I'm working towards it. Uh, all right. Tell everybody where they can find I guess they just find your podcast wherever you find podcasts. I always ask a question like I, like I need to. <laughs> Opening Arguments, uh, we're the only one that's called that. So. <laughs> should be your tagline (laughs) (laughs) if this is the kind of stuff that you like you'll probably like this opening Uh, arguments we're the only one that's called that (laughs) thank you have a good day all right well we'll talk to you soon thank you uh everybody stick around we're going to be right back with news from under the radar with jordan coburn stay with us after these messages we'll be right back 
Hey friends, it's AG. In today's episode of Daily Beans is brought to you by BetterHelp. If there's anything interfering with your happiness, causing you anxiety, or preventing you from achieving your goals, BetterHelp wants to help. Uh, I've personally dealt with trauma and PTSD. I'm a big believer in seeking help when you need it. And they want you to start living a happier life today at BetterHelp. Uh, BetterHelp is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional licensed counseling done securely online. They'll assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist, and you can start communicating in less than 24 hours. BetterHelp's services are available for clients worldwide with a broad range of expertise in their counselor network, a lot of which might not be available in your area. The best thing about BetterHelp is you can log in anywhere, from anywhere, anytime to your account and send a message to your counselor and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Or you can schedule weekly video and phone sessions or both. Uh, BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change your counselor if you want to. And it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. Visit their website and read their testimonials like this one from BetterHelp user SA who says, Tiana is absolutely wonderful. Her insight has helped me work through panic attacks, episodes of depression, moments of mental weakness, and just knowing I can reach out to her uh, wherever I need to is so comforting. She's available to connect with me via personal stories and the material she shares with me uh, to help work through particularly bad PTS episodes yields great results in these times of uncertainty. It's great to feel like I have a therapist, but also a friend that I can trust and talk to without judgment. Visit betterhelp.com slash dailybeans. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, and join the over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Special offer for Daily Beans listeners, get 10% off your first month. Go to betterhelp.com slash dailybeans. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It is time for News from Under the Radar. And joining me today is proud new dog mom, Jordan Coburn. How are you? Hi, I'm so good. My heart is so full. I picked up an adorable uh, Labrador pit blend and she's so freaking adorable. Your your voice is glowing, I must say. You sound very happy. (laughs) Yeah, so happy. She did barf everything that she probably ever has put inside of herself up on the drive here. So, <laughs> well, she takes after her mom in that respect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> if case you yeah. missed the show yesterday, uh, Jordan wasn't feeling very well on, I think, Monday and had some food poisoning issues. So that's where that joke was born. Um, we have uh, a couple of news stories to get to uh, to bring you from headlines from under, under the radar. And the first one I wanted to talk about is what's going on in Portland. I mean, we've covered we've covered it from a, a constitutional standpoint and from a legal standpoint. And now there's news coming down from Philadelphia out of Bloomberg News saying that the Philadelphia attorney general says he is ready to arrest and prosecute anybody who comes and kidnaps citizens of Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um, so that should be... Uh, interesting but this is setting up to be a pretty big clash and this is from the washington post about the wall of moms i'm just going to read the the, what they said here a thick a thick wall of tear gas crept closer to the wall of moms in yellow shirts chanting don't shoot your mother as they faced off with federal agents during another night of nonstop protests as the gas enveloped the group late tuesday some began to cough one mom ripped off her goggles in frustration because they didn't seal around her eyes and the burning gas had seeped in she rubbed her face and let out a groan but she didn't leave neither did hundreds of other self-identified moms who showed up uh, at the latest round of protests to stand arms linked between armed federal agents and demonstrators In front of the federal courthouse, federal agents in tactical gear used batons to push the moms in bike helmets. They were all wearing bike helmets, by the way. 
So they they used their batons to push this wall of moms back, who were all linked, linked, you know, had their arms linked and wearing bike helmets. Dozens were tear gassed. Some were hit with less uh, than lethal bullets fired into the crowd. This fledgling collective, the Wall of Moms, formed less than a week ago, has dubbed itself the Wall of Moms. They wear yellow shirts and hold up big yellow peace signs. And new chapters have already formed in cities around the country, from St. Louis to New York and Chicago and Philly, um, and even in D.C., the groups have organized in anticipation of the national deployment of federal law enforcement personnel, these unmarked militias, these federal police that are, I think are contracted in some cases. Uh, and Jordan, you're going to talk a little bit about that in a minute. Mm-hmm. But to all these Democratic-led cities, um, this is a plan President Trump has announced that he was putting into action earlier in the week. Uh, Trump has defended his administration's use of force in Portland, where officers from various federal agencies have clashed nightly with protesters, made arrests, pulled demonstrators in for questioning in unmarked cars. The president calls the protest in Portland a liberal Pacific Northwest city worse than Afghanistan. Oh, my God. Really? What the fuck? Afghanistan, where you're letting Russia pay Taliban militants to murder U.S. soldiers? That Afghanistan? Or are you talking about, like, Afghanistan, Vermont? Is that, like, some town I don't know about? Yeah. Anyway... The night before, uh, hundreds of moms joined to sing a lullaby outside Multnomah County Justice Center. That's the site of the county jail and police headquarters. And the lyrics were simple. Hands up. Please don't shoot me. According to the Post, uh, quote, uh, black mothers have been calling for criminal justice reform and racial equity for many years. They have lost sons and daughters at the hands of police. And a group of seven mothers who have lost African-American children to police action or gun violence, known as the Mothers of the Movement, have toured around the United States to protests and conferences. But they have never gone viral quite like the Wall of Moms. Uh, Wall of Mom organizers said they want to help amplify the voices of these mothers, mothers who have suffered losses and who have fought for years uh, against for systematic change in police practices. Uh, This is from one of the moms, quote, when you have the privilege that we have as white women, you have to use it for good. And I hope that's what this is. Uh, I think it's really important that we gain the trust of the black community here. And that's going to take some work because we haven't always been dependable. We have an obligation to be humble and to listen and to center black voices. And they're saying we are using our white privileged bodies to place ourselves between these armed, unmarked secret police and and the demonstrators so that's what's going on uh, in portland and i think that these officers have landed in chicago we've heard reports of massive dhs trucks showing up and uh planes sounding like c-130s flying in uh and uh so everyone's sort of prepping for this uh and it's it's freaking terrifying it is it's terrifying. Uh, I don't know how else to to say it. Like, I want to go back and watch The Handmaid's Tale again and see how different, uh, you know, uh, how much more the same it is than, than yeah. it was when that show first came out. Yeah. And everybody seems to be very much on the same page, local leaders wise and everything right now. Mm-hmm. At least. Yeah. Nobody wants this shit. Right. Exactly. The fucking liberal ones. There are some that are d- just like disgustingly offering up their people basically i saw some police official in in some city was like yeah please federal agents come in and help because we can't you know like no one's listening to us or whatever i think that's very rare those are the outspoken leaders of police unions in general yeah who are fighting against defund the police and any kind of reform in in their departments and fuck those dudes so 
you and you have this is very interesting too because I tweeted out how long before the shoe drops that Eric Prince has something to do with this and that these are contracted private fucking mercenaries uh and jordan you have a a piece on this from from the public radio right yeah well so pbs did a piece on collective bargaining agreements basically that the the sorts of things that happen in these sessions that make it basically impossible in many cases to hold police accountable and especially when the federal government is overseeing an agency through a consent decree uh, it can still stand in the way of that accountability. Some examples there in Kentucky, there's a stipulation in their police contract that prohibits officials from initially firing the officers that were involved in Breonna Taylor's murder. And then another instance, for example, the disciplinary history of a Chicago police officer who shot Laquan McDonald fatally was deleted under the department's contract. So officials didn't even know about their previous oh. behavior. In Seattle, an officer was arrested. Uh, an officer was fired. Um, it was fired for arresting an elderly black man who used a golf club as a cane. He got a uh, hundred thousand dollars in back pay, and that was thanks to the union contract. So there are so so many in every single you know police force. There are these rules that are institutionalized that make accountability virtually impossible. Aisha Bell Hardway of Case Western University School of Law said, we're ignoring the purpose of the bargaining rights and we're allowing them to step outside of what they were originally supposed to cover. She went on to say, when uh, when we talk about discipline, accountability, and use of force protocols, we should not be talking about collective bargaining rights because those terms have no business inside of the contracts in the first place. I And I completely agree with that. It, it's like, how how do we allow that to be institutionalized in this way we're allowing violence and no accountability for said violence to be written in so that there truly in many cases is nothing you can do until that are until that contract changes or if the behavior was so egregious that it's you know overruled in a court of law uh steven russian he's a loyola university chicago law professor he studied police contracts Uh, nationally and he wrote about their problems in an article that duke law journal published he said a substantial number of these agreements limit officer interrogations after alleged misconduct mandate the destruction of disciplinary records ban civilian oversight prevent anonymous civilian complaints indemnify officers in the event of civil suits and limit the length of internal investigations some contracts, uh, they actually let the officer see the videos of their offenses before that officer is even interviewed so they can get a head start, basically, on how Mount they're going to try to... Ex- yeah, so they're going to explain mm-hmm. themselves. And uh, they, they give an officer a 48-hour delay before they speak to internal affairs departments, and they allow an officer to appeal a punishment to arbitrators who can overturn rulings. This is all from an investigation Associated Press found. So, so there's a huge spotlight being shown right now on what one of the many 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 you know dynamics that allows this to be institutionalized which is things that happen behind closed doors without civilian input and puts into permanent ink basically the impunity of these officers in so many cases yeah so you're talking about just these are the union contracts with police forces Mm -hmm. um 
and and how that stands in the way accountability, uh, not what I was referring to, which are private contracted, you know, non-federal agents working for federal police forces that because they do that, that they lack accountability too. I didn't want anybody to be confused by that. There's two different kinds of contracts. Yeah. Um, th- these are union contracts that basically allow, for example, if someone's got 18 counts of excessive force and possible uh, use, you know, excessive use of force on their record and racial profiling, that that stuff is wiped from their records so that they can be hired at other departments yep. and go on to continue the same behavior and, and it, all sorts of examples of that. And then you also have to take into account from what I was referring to earlier with these secret federal police, if they're contracted, much like Blackwater was in uh, Iraq and Afghanistan, they aren't beholden. They're private. They're private enterprise. They are not beholden to the Geneva Convention, to the rules that govern combat, to and, and then accountability goes out the window as well. So this is like, we have it on the local level, we have it on the municipal level, we have it now on the federal level um, through the use of private contractors, and it's, it's really, really uh, frightening, and it has to stop. It absolutely has to stop. And I, I, I have to tell you, this is breaking just today. Uh, you know, Derek Chauvin, the officer that murdered George Floyd, uh, he has been charged with nine additional felony counts of aiding and abetting tax fraud in Washington County, Minnesota. Wow. Uh, he, the, the charges accused Chauvin and his wife of claiming Florida residency to avoid paying Minnesota taxes, resulting in six charges for filing false or fraudulent tax returns. Oh, my God. And three... And three counts for failing to file tax returns. So that's going on. Um, so a little ray of accountability, ray of sunshine accountability in this extremely dark time in our right. history. And apparently the only way you're going to face that accountability is if you murder someone and they actually start looking <laughs> into you as a person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, here's another story before we get over to Milkshake Matt, uh, which is what we're going to close. We're going to close this out with. I, I in, in the intro, I was like, and a shocker as Matt Gates <laughs> seems to make an end run around how the ethics rules, house ethics rules. Well, Rep Yoho, who's this fucking idiot from Florida who called uh, AOC, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, a fucking bitch. Um, but not to her face. Like he had a, they were having a, a debate on the Capitol steps about, uh, about something about some uh, policy and uh, she pretty much kicked his ass and then as she walked away and he was turned around to walk away a reporter heard him say fucking bitch and then that story got out and now um <laughs> and now uh he's apologized on on the f- i'm gonna put apologized in quotes right. because it's a man apology. It, this this method of apology came up earlier in the show when we when I was talking to Andrew Torres about a Flynn filing error. It applies here too, you know. When so I hey, I didn't call you a. I don't think you're a bitch. I thought you were acting like a bitch. Uh, you know that kind of a thing. Or I'm sorry you feel that way. Uh, instead of you know I'm sorry I was a dick right then. And what he said, and he parsed his words very carefully, and he put it out in a written statement, too. He's like, I just want to make it clear I didn't say it to her. 
Uh, and I'm very passionate. I'm not going to apologize for being passionate and about being passionate about my God and my country because God loves it when you call people fucking bitches. And and so <laughs> yeah. that's his that's his apology. Hey, I didn't say it to your face, at least. That's pretty much uh, Yoho's stance. I hope that he goes down in flames yeah. in November, if not sooner, for this absolute ridiculous lack of decorum. This is a member of fucking Congress. I'm sitting here like, I don't know if I can run for city council because I sang a song about blowjobs in 1986. And here's a guy uh, who who's just calling people fucking bitches. Isn't that when God listens to you and judges you the most, what you do in the absence of other people, when it's just him, you know? Just mano y mano. You would think that yeah. that's... Uh, but of course, that'd be an inconvenient thing for them to believe that they're actually being judged, you know, by their higher power when it actually counts. Oh, yeah, if, if he wasn't just using religion for political purposes, right. maybe he might care about right. that. So, fuck his apology. Fuck you, Yoho. Uh, tell us about his uh, his colleague in Florida, Representative Matt Gates. What's going on with Milkshake Matt? Yes, totally. Also, if they're going to be in the same milk family, we should call him Yoho the Yoohoo. And then we'll have milkshakes. <laughs> we, yeah, we throw milkshakes at Matt and we throw Yoohoo at Yoho. <laughs> and then we got Devin but, Munez. <laughs> but not in the glass bottle. That would be dangerous. Pour it into a nice paper cup and then throw it at him. <laughs> yes, of course. We don't need any projectiles that will cause serious damage, I guess. Um, I guess. I guess. <laughs> But but yeah, so Matt Gates, uh, it's coming out that he's apparently been doing some sketchy shit with money in his last four years in office that seemed to be in conflict no. with House ethics rules. Yeah, this was uncovered by Politico. We know Gates just fucking is a, you know, huge. His lips are completely orange from sucking on Trump's ass. That was so graphic. I'm so sorry, but it's so true. And so you know that he has zero problems with uh, being unethical and mm -hmm. he's going to just try to explain them away, probably in you know similar ways as Trump and his people do. Uh, well, but course. what... Yeah, but so one of the things that he did, he sent tens of thousands of taxpayer dollars to an LLC linked to a speechwriting consultant, and this was done so improperly. And then another violation, a private company had installed a TV studio in his dad's house in Niceville, Florida. Uh, in Niceville? Niceville. <laughs> yeah, Niceville. I wonder what, the, wonder what the death rate is in Niceville. Today. Yeah. Also, was he born in Niceville? Because that would uh, make no sense. Um, but he <laughs> so he uses that studio when he appears on TV, though. So taxpayers, they're the ones paying for the bill that goes into renting the television camera and the private company that built the studio itself, which Gates is refusing to identify. And then they're also taking a fee each time that he appears on the air, his office said, and no one knows how much the private company spent to construct the studio, and it really seems like this is against house ethics rules, which prohibits any lawmaker aid and their family members from accepting gifts worth more than $50. Uh, the official definition of a gift is very broad and covers virtually any uh, good or service with monetary value, but Gates' office denies wrongdoing. In, in both of those cases, oh. they say that the House Ethics Committee was aware of both of those arrangements and had approved them, but then he declined to produce any evidence that that was the case. <laughs> so, yeah, All right, show us the sign-off, <laughs> man. 
Right. Show us where Nancy Pelosi said, yeah, that's cool, bro. You could take taxpayer money and make your shit TV show. Go yes. for it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So there's, you know, excessive contributions and using of taxpayer dollars that, I mean, if Politico's breaking the story, I would believe they had reason to believe it, it does go against these house ethics rules. So him saying that it was fine, I already checked with them. I find that hard to believe, but we'll see. Yeah. We shall see. I know Katie Hill listens to this show, and I know that they're friends. So we'll see. Maybe Matt can produce the waiver uh, that allows this to happen. I don't think so. But um, for me to be shocked by anything Matt Gates does, it would have to be way more than this. Yes. Um, I, w- I was frankly a little surprised when he when he barged into the skiff that one time. And I was I was sort of taken aback when he wore the gas mask as a joke on the mm-hmm. on the floor uh, of the house. And now 144,000 people have died. Uh, and But this mm, this is kind of just run-of-the-mill ethics violations coming from the GOP. Right. Exactly. I'm, some, <laughs> I, I'm positive we can find many of these instances. Gates just mm. has a fucking moo target on his back right now because he sucks so bad. So, again, it's like Chauvin, for example. Everyone's mm. digging into his shit because he's such a ass that it's... Mm. So satisfying to nail him on things. Mm. Yeah, well, you can't break the fucking law and then try to be the law. That's just the most ridiculous thing. Right. Uh, like, seriously. Really? Really, bro? That's going to be? Okay. You're going to, yep. okay. You're going to get that guy for a, a fake $20 bill and yeah. kill him. But yeah. you're going to steal thousands and thousands of dollars by not reporting your taxes, by falsifying your fucking tax records to the federal government and saying that yep. you're residents of Florida. Cool. Cool, yeah. bro. Also, as a right resident on, of California, sense. where our taxes are so insanely high, I'm like, oh my God, just going the life of people that are doing the switcheroo from fucking Minnesota to Florida. It's like, try living in California. Jesus Christ. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, th- that's our news from uh, Under the Radar. Headlines from Under the Radar? I don't know. We'll, f- we'll figure out what we're going to call this segment. <laughs> the fun times. Um, but uh, do you have any uh, thoughts before we, we go to break? Uh, no, I do not. Thank you. All right. Well, congratulations on being a pod dog owner Thank and you. a dog mom. And welcome to uh, welcome to the very prestigious club of picking up dog shit on the regular. <laughs> um, yeah, and barf immediately. You. And... And vomit. We welcome yeah. you. <laughs> Immediately, I was like, is it weird that I kind of like the smell? Is this what being a mother feels like? I'm like, yeah. oh, mm-hmm. yeah, you that's freaking a mom disgusting. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, it's okay. I just look back at her. She's just like, oh. It's like, oh, God. And anyway. I I recommend Bodhi Animal Clinic on University. They're wonderful. Ooh, thank you. Okay. Thank you. You're I was going to put that on Facebook, so you just did that for me. I've been to every fucking veterinarian in the area. Bodie is the way to go. Hell yeah. All right. Well, thank you, everyone. We'll be right back with uh, Courtney Smith Kramer is going to join us. We have a self-care break, a self-care block. She has written an awesome book uh, called Be Your Creative Sexy Self. And I can't wait to talk to her. Humorous stories to make your life better. Uh, So stick around. We'll be right back after this break. 
Hey everybody, it's AG, and this portion of Daily Beans is brought to you by FitBod. These days, it's more important than ever to focus on our health and fitness. Whether you're new to the gym or been lifting late weights for years, it can be hard to find the right workout program and stick to it. That's the hard part for me. But with FitBod, you can get truly personalized fitness programs that adapt as you go. It's a smart fitness app that takes all the guesswork out of planning your workouts. FitBod's algorithm factors your goals, your experience level, equipment, workout duration, and muscle recovery time to intelligently craft the perfect total body workout program just for you. And with each workout, the app learns your abilities and plans your workout and designs it to maximize your health results. I love that they cycle in new exercises and keeps my workouts fun and fresh. And they keep it balanced, too. They never overwork a muscle group, so I don't have recovery time for the next time I work that group out. Uh, Because there's so much variety and the workouts are constantly changing and rotating, I don't get bored. And I've stuck with it much longer than I usually do with other exercise plans because of that. With FitBot, I'm always looking forward to the next workout, and I can already see the results. FitBot is super easy to use, and it even has an HD video tutorial to make learning new exercises easy. It's perfect for anyone who's looking to get better fitness results, whether your goal is just feeling better, general fitness, strength training, muscle toning, or bodybuilding. No equipment, no worries. FitBod has body weight routines for those looking to get fit at home or on the go don't have equipment. It integrates with other fitness and health apps like Apple Health, Fitbit, and Strava. Personalized training can be tough on the budget, but FitBod's only $9.99 a month or $59.99 a year. Get a personalized fitness plan that helps you work out smarter at fitbod.me slash dailybeans. Try FitBod for free for one month when you sign up today at fitbod.me slash dailybeans. That's one free month when you go to fitbod.me slash dailybeans. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's time for a little self-care interview. And joining me today is one of the 3% of women creative directors in the U.S., author of the new book, Be Your Creative Sexy Self, Humorous Stories to Help You Live a Happier Life, Courtney Smith-Kramer. Courtney, welcome to The Daily Beans. Hey, hey, AJ. <laughs> AG, but you know, it's cool. AG, AG. It's cool. I fucked it up already. Sorry. Dude, no, you know what? You'd be surprised. Everybody calls me AJ. Maybe I, Maybe I say it weird. I don't know. Um, anyway, I really wanted to have you on because first of all, your book is fantastic. And thank you. I really think that it would speak to a lot of the people who listen to our show because you assert that everyone is creative. You know, some people are like, I can't sing, I can't play piano, da da da. But you say everyone is creative and everyone has something to offer humankind. And I'm really interested in that humankind phrase. Can you elaborate a little bit? I can. Well, first of all, if you have a beating heart and you are human, then you have the ability to be creative, period, full stop. <laughs> and the the reason why is, uh, you know, people confuse artistry with creativity all the time. Mm. Creativity is, artistry is the, the stuff that everyone thinks is just what being creative is, right? Dancing, painting, singing, acting, all that expressive. It's an expression of creativity. So being creative is actually just solving a problem in a different way. So yeah. as human beings, we can all do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've done some really creative Excel spreadsheets in my past, for example. Hey, that's right. Yeah, I mean, it, you can be creative in anything. It's really just looking at a problem, turning it around, coming up with a different way of thinking about it, and that will deliver a different solution that's being creative. So how do you find, if let's say you're younger or older and you haven't found your sort of niche or your your voice or your creativity or you don't think that you have, but you might have, um, you know, for example, I didn't, like, my my whole life I've been really good at taking a bunch of complex information, boiling it down into simple to, you know, simple to digest pieces for others. And, And so that's sort of where 
you know, my life's work culminated into this podcast. And and I think what you're saying here is that, you know, there's somebody everybody's good at something and everybody has something that they can be really creative. They're really they excel at problem solving at. And some people are really good at one thing and some people are good at problem solving multiple things. And I was just sort of curious as to how you what inspired you to write this particular book, especially right now, because I think it comes just in time. A lot of us are hanging on by a thread here. And I I feel that this <laughs> I feel this period of isolation and quarantine has really allowed us to to spend a lot of time with introspection, time with ourselves. And I was just wondering sort of what moved you to write to write this book? Well, I in my my career, I have had the title of creative director for a long time, and I, I kind of got fed up with people who were like, oh, my God, you're so lucky. You're, you're so creative. You have a creative in your title. And I just kind of was like, dude, like, it doesn't matter if it's in my title. Like, you are a human being that has your own unique way of approaching your thinking and problem solving. And so I think I, I just kind of thought, well... You know, my husband had just written a book, and so I, I was watching him, you know, sort of go out and promote it and, and talking to people about it, and I was like, maybe this would be a fun thing for me to try, like challenge myself and just see if I can do this, because I always identified as a designer instead of a writer, and so sort of embarked upon my journey of just starting to write this, like just started with a chapter and then came up with a theme, like it just all sort of built on each other, and I, I feel like it needed to be said, <laughs> you know, I mean, like, I'm not the only one that's saying this. This is like my, my, I'm a stand for creativity. And it makes me really frustrated when I see people not giving themselves full permission to be themselves. It's so frustrating. And I'm guilty of it as much as anyone else. So I thought if I just write this and launch it, maybe if I can even just inspire one person to give them full permission to create the thing that whatever it is that they want to create, then my job is done. (laughs) (laughs) And what a, you know, kind of, I'm thinking here as you're talking about this, what a sweet little allegory for life, really. You know, I'm going to start with one chapter and see what comes out of that. And then there's a theme and then you can build structure. And I think we go through those cycles in our lives as, you know, just exactly the way that you went through it when you were putting this book together. Well, yeah. And, and honestly, it starts with curiosity. You know, curiosity is one of the greatest gifts that human beings have because it drives imagination, it drives action, and it helps point you in a direction towards discovering more, learning more, layering more on top of what it is that you're going for. Mm. I should write that down. That was really good. Um, You know, but, but honestly, that, and this is how this book is written. It's truly written from the, the point of view of here's what I'm curious about. And so I went and checked, checked out the information to find out more. And that got me curious about this. And that led me over here. And it, it provided such an adventure. I learned a, a new word called autotelic, which is the joy of doing something simply for doing it, <laughs> you know, which, 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 applies both to creativity and creation and also, you know, sex and being sexy and, and allowing yourself to be your, your full personality. So I I kind of, that was my experience of writing the book as well. It's just like, wow, this is so fun because just like following your curiosity takes you to new places, which allows you to connect, you know, it, it encourages divergent thinking, which is really what, what getting creative is all about. It's like this, 
endless pursuit of divergence that helps to release dopamine in your brain, you know, which is the activates the pleasure center in your brain, which just makes you feel so great and allows you to continue your divergent thinking, put new, new ideas together and come up with new ways to solve challenges. Yeah, and I think it's really important also to emphasize that it's it's not that we all have like one big project in us per lifetime, and and you know we have to keep trying to figure out how to do that one project. I I, I feel like you know like this particular project for me, it's it's a it's a big one, but it's not going to be my last one, and it certainly wasn't my first. But it's built upon all of the other projects that I that I've done. You know, starting with. Uh, being in the military, and then even before that as a kid, what the kind of music I was into, and then moving on to um, comedy, and then, you know, putting that all sort of together, and all of these different experiences are like little twigs in a nest, and then you build a nest, and then you live in the nest for a minute, and then you want to build a bigger nest, so you use your old nest to build the bigger nest, and so I just feel like I want to make sure everybody knows that it's okay to be still, and like, if you're in quarantine right now, and you you aren't even taking a shower, you're just like, you know what, I'll get the mail next week. I don't want you to think that uh, what what anybody here is saying is that, you know, you have to write the next American novel. It's it's cool no. to to chill the fuck out and take a minute. You know, I think that's also part of the process and to enjoy that sort of as well. And and because it's going to feed into whatever's next. Yeah. Well, first of all, like reason number 800,000 that the pandemic is screwing up everything is that it's encouraging people to not take showers, which being in the shower is actually one of the greatest places (laughs) to, to activate divergent thinking and dopamine. So I encourage everyone to go out and shower. I call it double D's in the shower, Mm -hmm. divergence and dopamine, (laughs) right? Which is like, because it's like, you're warm, you're comfortable, the white noise helps your mind to wander and drift and that's what allows divergent thinking as opposed to linear thinking, right? Which is when you're totally in your head and you're really trying to take like a waterfall approach step by step. So take lots of showers. That's mm. my number one thing. Um, <laughs> but the, the other thing that you said is also so true. You know, there's the gift. I, I was just commenting, uh, there's a writer, Jennifer Rubin. Um, oh, I had dinner. We had dinner with her at Politicon. She's incredible. Yeah, she's amazing. I just I just saw an article on LinkedIn this morning before we uh, got on, and I and she she had she was talking about the the gift of stillness, you know, within this pandemic, and it really got me thinking about like for at least I, I'm speaking for myself, but hopefully it's for everyone too, which is when you get into stillness and you start noticing other things around you, right, like. I don't know about you, but in the beginning stages of the pandemic, I remember being outside and like looking up at the sky and thinking, wow, there's no airplane trail. Mm -hmm. Like I I didn't even realize that I noticed that before, but I noticed it not being there, Mm -hmm. you know, and like this just kept happening all over. Wow, I hear a bird that I hadn't heard before. And this is incredible. And something that it really gave me, because now over the course of at least the last six months, a lot has happened. Mm. Right. Like we used to call it every week was a COVID year. Right. Like so yeah. here we are in, in year 12 of COVID, you yes. know. And so so we started thinking about how much how much has happened and how much time has gotten distorted. And I, I know, at least for me, I was able in that stillness to recognize my own value. I didn't realize that there was some healing that needed to be done there for me, which was I 
being an agency owner and, and working on project by project basis for so many years, I didn't realize that I had not only attached my identity to my title, but I also had attached my worth to the value of what others saw in me. And what the stillness of the pandemic has given me the gift of is a, like ripping apart my title from my, my personality, myself, and recognizing my own value in myself. Like I've, I didn't realize it needed to be healed until I was in the stillness of this pandemic and really had the time to reflect and go, go in word. Yeah, it's interesting how it all impacts us um, in very similar, but also in different ways. You know, there, I know a lot of folks out there who are trauma survivors. And when stillness happens, you have to confront feelings that you might not have normally confronted. You know, I just usually was able to ignore all that by going to work, going to school, doing comedy, doing music, blah, 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 just filling my life with stuff. And when all that, you know, not all of it, but when a lot of that went away, you have time to reflect and actually work through uh, some of those feelings simply by having them, you know, just allowing yourself to have them. And then I think you get to know yourself better. And, you know, you're right, our sense of time is so distorted, because not only what you know, what you were talking about with the quarantine weeks and years, but you know, there's a there's a the Trump onslaught of scandals. I mean, there are four scandals a day that would in the before times, we would see one of those every five or six years, you know. And so it's, you know, I mean, you remember back to Obama, we had mustard and a tan suit. And and, and so <laughs> now here we are. And OK, we had the drone strikes. Uh, we had some deportation issues. Uh, but now we've got that every hour. And it and it's um it, it really does distort your sense of time and it's very exhausting. So what sort of advice do you have for everybody who's at home exhausted, uh, you know, trying to hold on and, and, you know, just be like, you want me to be creative? I can't even get out of bed in the morning. Like what, what would you say to somebody like that? Drink. No, I'm kidding. Um, you do, you do say, you do say here, I like to laugh and drink tequila and that's pretty much all you need to know. <laughs> so. Yep. Yep, that's all you need to know about me. <laughs> um, no, no. Um, here, here's what I would offer. Yeah, uh, first of all, I- inside of every human being, you know, creating is like the most revered thing. You know, I was like, like I'm not a religious person. I'm a spiritual person. But I know that like in the first sentence of the Bible, it says, in the beginning, God created the earth, right? So like the first sentence of our like most sacred holy text or one of them anyway is like whoa that's the thing he chose to do first he created something <laughs> wow that's incredible <laughs> what was he doing before playing playing call of duty and you know exactly it's like well you know i've been sitting up here for billions of years so i guess it's time <laughs> for me to do something that's so funny courtney like that was your first thing you did that was the first thing you did and okay all right <laughs> You know, so, so that, I mean, that, that like got me really curious about like, well, no wonder human beings feel so much pressure to create, right? Because it's like kind of instilled in the, our most important like mores or whatever you want to call it. I don't know what it's called, but like our value system is completely based on our doing, right? Mm-hmm. So my advice would be like, remember that you're a human being, <laughs> not a human doing. And nice. like, oh, nice. Simple, simple. You know, go for a walk, get outside, take a sun bath, you know, like, hey, don't the experts say that like a five to 10 minute 
exposure to sun allows your body to produce the vitamin D needed to build your immune system against COVID, right? So, mm-hmm. like, do yourself a favor, go outside, take a walk, even if it's super short, or, like, go out and lay in the grass. I found that connecting with nature really helps me, too. Like, go talk to a tree. I know it sounds weird, but you'll be surprised. Like, go put your hand on a tree and ask it a question and just pay attention to what answer comes back. <laughs> you never know. Trees are pretty wise. Like, hmm. So, you know, that's, I would do that. Like I said, take a shower. You can it, – it, the, the point of it is, like, number one, take the pressure off of yourself to do, do, do all the time. I said do, do. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, you know, it, this goes back to the full permission. And it's like being kind to yourself, self-compassion, realize that like we are not in a normal time right now. No playbook has been created for this except for the one that Trump threw out, which he's not sharing with anyone. So we need to be really, really mindful of taking care of ourselves in this time and not being so hard on like, wow, I only did one thing today. It's like, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Like, it's fine. <laughs> There's no pressure. No one except for you is putting pressure on yourself to, to do anything. You are in charge of yourself. Take responsibility for yourself. You can only control that in this lifetime anyway. Yeah. How you show up in the world, how you respond, how you are in relationship to things. These are These are the things that we should be thinking about right now, you know, as opposed to like, oh my God, I got to paint the next masterpiece. I got to do this. Why is everyone else doing so much in the pandemic and I'm doing nothing? Ah. Mm. Yeah. And it, and it's, you know, it, it, it took a while for me to see myself the way I see other people who have gone through what I've gone through as awesome people um, to apply that to myself. Um, I, you know, and, and you can start small too. Like, even if you just have like a, a negative thought about yourself, somebody taught me this trick and it's absolutely wonderful. Looking in the mirror the other day, I'm like, Ooh, I gotta, there's a, I need, my thigh gap is, isn't, uh, where I want it. And, uh, so I need to work <laughs> on that. And then they said, you know what, say that to yourself in Donald Trump's voice. And notice how quickly <laughs> you'll defend yourself. Your thighs, they need some work. Your, your thighs need some work. You know what? Fuck you, man. Uh, you know, and, and you just kind of, then you're like, oh, hey. And then you kind of get a sense of what it's like to stand up for yourself. So I think that that's a really, really important lesson. Well, and also remember, like, if we don't make money off of our bodies, then who the fuck cares? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what uh, what did um, somebody, I can't remember the comedian, but he's like, if, if if God wanted women to prostitute themselves, he would have given them free will and a vagina. And <laughs> I always have to laugh at that. And we're very pro-sex work on this show, by the way. But um that that yeah, it's that's that's a astounding uh, an astounding thought, and I just want to close here with one of your quotes. That's like a little love note to yourself. It says, "I am human. I have an imagination that allows me to be uniquely creative in anything I care about. Love me." And uh, I just sort of wanted to ask you, like, what 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 made you put that together? Well, it, it it's exactly what you just mentioned, right? Is like. We all have ways of like sabotaging our own selves. We call we all have a saboteur who seems to like pop up at the least appropriate times. <laughs> and you know, it's it's worth having some kind of a daily mantra. If I can say it to you, you can say it to you. And we are all exactly right and perfect and whole human beings right now in the moment. As we, we just are. need to give ourselves as we are. <laughs> 
No, no one is broken. That's a false narrative. There's no such thing as people being broken. You know, we are all exactly right and perfect and whole human beings right now, despite, you know, the, our environments or experiences that might have happened to us that were not our fault, that we feel guilty for, you know, are traumatized by. And the truth is, is that we have the capability to love ourselves as we are if we can fully step into that full permission place. You know, and unfortunately, as human beings, at least at this time in history, we're not taught how to do that. So I thought, why not me? <laughs> I'll try to teach people how to do that. <laughs> well, it's something I've been working on for a while. So I really appreciate you coming on today. Can you tell everybody where uh, they can find your book and you? Yes, you can find it on Amazon called Be Your Creative Sexy Self. Uh, just search it up. And you can find me most hours of the day on Twitter <laughs> at CS has arrived. C for Courtney, S for Smith has arrived. Uh, and that's the same also on Snapchat and on Instagram. So hit me up. I want to hear from you. Awesome. Thank you so much, author, creative director. New book out, Be Your Creative Sexy Self, Humorous Stories to Help You Live a Happier Life. Courtney Smith-Kramer, thanks for talking to me today. I appreciate it. And thank you, A.G. <laughs> See, we've learned and growed. <laughs> we've learned and growed. I grew. <laughs> I can't let that one die. Sorry. Uh, anyway, thank you so much. Everybody, stick around. We'll be right back after this quick break uh, with some more something. Maybe it's good news. Maybe it's something else. I don't know yet. It's a surprise. Hey, everybody, it's AG. This Helping of Daily Beans is brought to you by Sunsoil CBD. CBD is not only gaining in popularity, it's popping up in everything from coffee and supplements to dog treats. It's very helpful in a variety of applications. But who can you trust and how can you tell what's good for you and what's not? How much do you take? What's the dosage? Those were some of the questions I had, and Sunsoil CBD had all the answers. Transparency and quality control are what set them apart from the rest, because with Sunsoil, you know what's in every bottle and exactly where it came from. Totally, totally transparent. There's no second guessing. They only use ingredients you can understand stand and trust. Most of their products have just two ingredients, organic hemp and organic coconut oil. They farm all their own hemp in their Green Mountain Farms of Vermont and extract the CBD themselves, testing for quality and purity at each step. And they never use pesticides or herbicides or GMOs. And because Sunsoil does everything in-house and keeps their products simple, they can offer the highest quality CBD at really, really unbeatable prices. In fact, Sunsoil products are usually half the price of other ingestible CBD brands. Every Sunsoil product is USDA organic certified, including their oil drops, soft gels, capsules, and coconut oil. I like to put a few of the oil drops in my morning coffee uh, every morning or sometimes after a workout in a smoothie. And I usually take a soft gel at night before getting some great sleep. And one of the best things about Sunsoil is that as the largest CBD manufacturer to partner with 1% for the planet, they'll be donating 1% of Sunsoil's annual sales to help environmental nonprofits that do good for people, plants, and the planet. Sunsoil removes all the guesswork by making pure and simple CBD products at unbeatable prices. Get 30% off your first order. That's huge. By going to sunsoil.com slash dailybeans. That's S-U-N-S-O-I-L dot com slash dailybeans for 30% off your first order. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we're blown on good news. It's on the way. And joining me today for the good news block is Mandy Reader. Mandy, how are you? Doing okay. How are you doing? I am good. I'm good. Uh, Jordan is going to be back shortly. She's adopting a dog, and I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I hope it's not like when I tried to adopt that dog a few weeks ago and I didn't get the dog. 
Uh, everyone got so excited. <laughs> I know. We all were. Um, but uh, so that's that's good news. First of all, I just wanted to get that out of the way. A couple other I good know. news pieces here. Um, let's see. Uh, Twitter has banned QAnon accounts. They're shutting down thousands of QAnon accounts. Uh, I think that's awesome. So that's good news. Mm-hmm. And this, I don't know if this is good news more than it's just good for a laugh. Um, once again, the Republican National Committee is buying thousands of copies of Donald Trump Jr.'s new book, the one with the grammar error on the front of it. Uh, they're <laughs> buying it up in bulk uh, because no one else is. So that's so <laughs> embarrassing. <laughs> That's so embarrassing for him. I it really I cannot is. express. I'm trying um, to think of an equivalent to how embarrassing that is, but that's rough. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I'm I'm so excited about Jordan's new dog. I I have texted her that I want pictures immediately. I cannot wait to see this little gremlin that she's adopting. And we have to send him out. We have to send him out on Twitter and the socials and put it on our newsletter, too. We will. I feel like I might be a little bit responsible for this dog because Jordan and I were hanging out at the park last week and she was like, should I get a dog? And I was like, yes, absolutely do it. And she was like, I don't think so. I'm just not ready. And I, of course, when anyone tells me they want a dog, I have to cheerlead them. So um, I'm going to take <laughs> I'm gonna mm-hmm. take a narcissistic pride in uh, her adopting this dog and I'm going to be its best mm-hmm. friend. Oh, are you? You're going to be the dog. You're going to be Jordan's yes. dog's best Mar- friend. Marley and this new dog can be best friends. Very excited. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought you said you were going to be Jordan's dog's new best friend. I, was like, I mean, okay. maybe also that. Well, good luck. <laughs> uh, well, we'll see. We do have some listener good news today. We we do. You want to kick us off with Am with Amber's submission? I will kick us off. Um, All right. From Amber and pronouns she, her. Amber says, kind of long, but bear with me. I work for the state of California and have for 13 years. Recently, uh, I changed departments to my dream department. I left the department I was with previously because after 11 years with increasing responsibility, I was denied a promotion I was perfect for. This isn't me being egotistical. This is something everyone told me should have been my job. So when I ended up not getting the promotion, it went to a high-level executive's friend who had quote unquote, the necessary experience, except over time, she has asked such dumb questions. I know it's because of who she knows. (laughs) Salty, but fair, Amber. Um, (laughs) For the good news, I was talking with my new boss on Friday on the phone, work from home here, and he said that I am a great fit for the department. He's glad he hired me and that I am someone he can rely on for a variety of issues. Aww. Uh, double good news. My previous position was working with federal grants and had and had been for 10 years. I was vastly over grants. My new position has nothing to do with grants and I get to use my noodle again. Yay. Yay. That's, That's awesome. awesome. And I'm so glad that um, it, it's so important to like feel valued at work. Mm-hmm. So many managers only focus on your mistakes you know, and 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 just punish you when you do stuff wrong, and and never and you know tell you when you're doing uh, good work or the right. Yeah, celebrate thing. you. And so it's it's most people don't quit jobs; they quit bosses. So I'm glad that you have a great new boss. Yeah, congrats! Yay, tiny wins. Tiny wins. Next up from anonymous, she, her. Uh, sometimes it's little things that make a difference. I had to go into a doctor to have a blood draw. Unfortunately, a few years ago, I contracted MRSA, and ever so often, every so often, they have to take blood and make sure everything is okay. This particular doctor is an infectious disease doctor. Ooh, like house, like Doctor House. <laughs> 
I love Taos. I do too. <laughs> and he's the head doctor for the COVID-19 uh, in our area. We are also in a part of Texas where the numbers are rising fast and we're getting around two to five deaths a day. Wow. Mm. I was chatting with the nurse and asking her how patients were reacting to needing to wear masks. And she was telling me that sometimes things can get pretty trying and that just last night uh, she broke down at home. When she finished, I made the comment as to how well she had done since my daughter has a license in drawing blood, and I have been stuck many times while she was learning. <laughs> um, I knew my I know my veins can be difficult, but I didn't even feel her sticking me and taking the blood. Just as I got ready to leave, she told me thank you. The compliment was what she needed to make it through the day. Things have been very difficult, but it can definitely, but it definitely brightened her day and made her feel uh, like she could finish finish it finish her day. I've always had the attitude that I need to compliment at least one person every day because it might just be what they need to hear. Guess I was right. I guess I was at the right place at the right time with her. That's Aww. awesome. Yes, everyone. Say nice, wonderful things to everyone all the time. Uh, yes. Except don't tell women to smile. And <laughs> if I'm jogging, don't say good for you because that's just weird. Let's, you know, rather than ask a woman to smile, if a woman smiles at you, you can say you have a beautiful smile acceptable thing to say mm. <laughs> that's an acceptable compliment yeah and and we're all wearing masks anyway so exactly. y- you don't even know <laughs> maybe we should just get really into complimenting people's eyebrows all the time it's all we can see now just pay really close attention to people's eyebrows <laughs> yeah i know i feel like i've got i need i need eyebrow maintenance now because that's what that's what's happening that's what's out there Oh, God, um, you might meet the love of your life at the grocery store, and the only thing they can see is your eyebrows. I need to work on mine. <laughs> it's, they're a mess. Just the other day, I looked in the mirror, and I was like, wow. I can tell that I haven't been, like, going on nights out or, like, dressing up for dates because, you know, or, or taking, you know, cute selfies because, wow. Um, anyway, that went off track. Congratulations to you for giving this person a compliment. And I think everyone should not only, you know, especially compliment your essential workers and um, your nurses and anyone who is outside of the house working, um, they could probably definitely use it. Mm, yeah. Every time I go to the store, I make sure to thank the clerk for being there and, and taking the risk and, and helping us out and um, being on the front lines. Totally. Uh, so yeah, definitely do that. And before before you go on to the next one uh, from Allie, I wanted to just really quick, mm-hmm. Gail wanted me to give a shout out to all of our patrons who helped with the Tabby Fund, the uh, the cat uh, GoFundMe. Um, she just wanted to thank everyone from the bottom of her heart. So, because uh, she was neutering her boys. Uh, we, if you've been following her litter of quarantine kittens, um, that's what's going on. She wanted me to give a shout out to everybody who helped out and everyone who's just been supportive as well. So, thank you for Aww. that from Gail. And uh, what do we have next from Allie? That's really nice. Um, from Allie, pronouns she, her. Allie says, hi, thanks so much for the good news block. It really helps me get out of bed on the bad days. Me too, Allie. Uh, My most recent good news (laughs) is this. (laughs) Seriously. Uh, I didn't get to see my dad for Father's Day because on top of COVID, he had a knee replacement a couple of days before. One of the things I missed most from the before times is going to the movies with my dad. Oh, God, I love them. I I miss the movie theater too. We love summer blockbusters and seeing them in the theater is one of the main ways that we bond. My wife suggested that we get a projector and see if we can show movies uh, on the side of the house. I bought a projector and once my dad was feeling more mobile, we hosted our very first socially distant backyard movie night. We had a fire, s'mores, beers, and a Pixar movie to the enjoyment of all. It felt really good to be able to hang out with my dad again and enjoy one of our favorite activities. And we plan on doing this on the regular. Oh, 
you just reminded me. I have a backyard movie screen. I should, I should heat that thing up. <gasps> oh my god, yes, that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, I also saw, uh, I saw an Instagram ad or something that was uh, in San Diego. They're going to have like a floating cinema where everyone, where they're going to have like mini boats that you can rent, and they'll have like like a floating. Yeah, it's so great. I I, I love that. Well, we have that great thing down at the Embarcadero where the symphony plays. I mean, where mm-hmm. they used to play. Yeah, and you can float up in the bay and watch it from the water. You know, on, mm-hmm. on a on a little kayak or in an inner so tube nice. or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. for those of us who don't have boat money um you know <laughs> you can always just like get a little raft and uh, go out into the bay that way that was always a lot of fun yeah i have raft money not boat money <laughs> yeah yeah i've got inflatable pool noodle i've got pool noodle money pool noodle mm-hmm. money yeah totally mm-hmm. yeah. um next up is from someone who came uh who was one of our guests on one of our recent uh happy hour live streams and is also someone we know well from our patron Facebook group, one of our very active members of our community. So I'll let you take that one. Oh, all right. Mm -hmm. Good news from Joshua. Uh, After waffling for years, I finally bought myself a Switch for my birthday, July 23rd. Happy birthday. And after hearing all the joy on the podcast and in the Facebook group, I also bought Animal Crossing. It may be my new favorite thing for both myself and my wife. I just joined the Discord group, so hopefully soon I'll be playing the stock market with the best of them. Cheers and thanks for bringing together such a wonderful group of people. Yay. Yay. That's so great. I still need to sell my turnips this week. Welcome to the Animal Crossing world. Um, I feel like Mm. maybe Nintendo should give us some money for the number of people who have purchased a Switch because (laughs) of us. Nintendo, if you're listening, let us know. I'm pretty sure a lot of folks who may not have otherwise (laughs) played Animal Crossing are playing it now. Nintendo, if you're listening, I hope you enjoy the 30,000 downloads of Animal Crossing. (laughs) Uh, Uh, That's right. Oh, oh. I just scrolled and there's a kitten. Oh my gosh. Okay. Oh, that's yes. coming next. You Save go ahead. the best for last, obviously. All right. The next one is from Anonymous <laughs> Sheher. And she says, I was fired from, uh, I was fired in January from a job I loved uh, because of office po- politics mostly. That's often the way. And I've been pretty low for a while. Um, I considered going back to my old hated job that I had left four months earlier for said loved job, but a month after I was fired, the original company closed the entire office. Uh, I've been looking for work in my field, but finding a good paying job in my field is nearly impossible. COVID hit and available jobs dried up to nothing. Things started getting better slowly. I got a few interviews, a few rejections, and then finally a job offer after an interview over Zoom. Unfortunately, the pay was too low, so I had to turn it down. Today, I found a job listing that is just about perfect for me. The pay is perfect. The benefits are perfect. And I know that if given the chance, I can get and keep that job. The ego boost from the earlier job offer has nearly restored my self-esteem, and I'm finally feeling good uh, about myself for the first time in over seven months. I don't know what the future will bring. I may be getting my hopes too high, but fuck it. I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And God damn it, I like me. <laughs> That's so nice. <laughs> the little Stuart Smalley at the end. Very, very good. I'm sending you good juju. Manifest that goddamn yes. job. You're a queen. Mm-hmm. Hexing. Hexing the, the non-believers and casting spells for you. Uh, <laughs> exactly. For, and, and here we go. Okay. Kitty. Uh, yeah. I'm just excited. <laughs> this cat oh my god look at this guy so uh, this is from sarah my cat rescue caddy shack illinois just uh, just adopted our 400th cat 
It's just myself and my parents that run our rescue, so I'm super proud of all we've been able to do in three years. I've included a photo of one of our newest rescues, David Rose. (gasps) This cat's name is David Rose. David Rose is beautiful. Oh, David David Rose kind of looks like a baby bat. It does. He does. It's this little gray with dark blue eyes, and uh, he's just being held, tiny kitty in one hand, and he's and he's he's got his mouth open. He's doing a scrim. Ah, it's adorable. Um, Very cute. We will send this photo out. You can make that. You can make that photo go out on Twitter, right? Absolutely, absolutely, I can. So freaking cute, David Rose. And it's like a gray kitty with little white hairs everywhere. Oh my god, he's. And he's got vampire teeth doing a scram. I love, I love him, but I want so him, but. <laughs> oh, thank you for your good news stories that include pictures of animals. We are, we, we very much enjoy <laughs> you it. You can tell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ooh, ooh, cuckoo for kitty cats. Hilarious kids um, are also welcome. Remember that kid with the little mini pride parade? That was that, oh, that, that the, fucking thing. The made video. Me cry. Where she like put together some wagons and a laundry basket and something in her house and did made mm-hmm. her own pride parade because they didn't get to go this year. Yes, I remember pride that. parade at home. Oh. <sighs> Adorable. Well, you're all awesome, and I love all of you. And um, I wanted to ask you if you have not submitted a quarantine confession yet, please do so. Uh, do it today because we're going to be recording the next quarantine confessions very soon, and I would love to. Uh, I would love to see what you send in, and maybe we'll put it on the show. Uh, next episode is out on Saturday. Yeah, I think we should do uh, like fiction and nonfiction quarantine confessions. We can Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, how like different little indicators as to whether uh, you're telling the truth or not, and then maybe we have to guess. I don't know. Like five of these confessions are real. One of them isn't. Which one is it? Oh God! And then we can give away like a partially used Glade air freshener as a prize or something because we don't have much. <laughs> Um, do you have any final thoughts before we, uh, before we close the show out, Mandy? Uh, I do not. Um, I hope you're all having an okay week and some of you I will see at the happy hour on Friday and, uh, stay safe, wash your hands, etc. I love you. Yes. And also everyone get the Mary Trump audiobook or physical mm-hmm. book or Kindle and read it, listen to it, whatever you need to do. She reads it and she does a really good job. Uh, it's really, really well written and um, something might be coming up soon and you might want to have read that book. Um, and I'm just not going to say anything right now. So just saying, just maybe read that book. And uh, everyone, please, until tomorrow, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of your mental health and take care of the planet. I've been AG. I've been Mandy Reader. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by A.G. and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by A.G., Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com.